This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Love thy neighbour and all that. Well, unless your neighbour is a Manchester United fan, of course, in which case the most appropriate action would be to turn the TV on full volume and make as much bloody noise as you can. Alas, in the build-up to this weekend's historic All-Manchester FA Cup final, we've opened the door and let one, yes, just one, in to speak about that lot down the road. Joining me is Manchester United fan and podcast extraordinaire Tommy Stewart, with all eyes now focused on the Wembley matchup. It's Thursday the 1st of June, I'm Amos Murphy, and this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. This episode is sponsored by Beer Monster, your online home for all the best household beers at refreshingly low prices. Purchase today and get an extra £5 off all orders with the code CityPod05 as we gear up for a mammoth couple of weeks of cup finals. UK only, 18 and over, drink responsibly. Welcome to the show, podcast extraordinaire, Tommy Stewart. Um, how are you doing? Welcome to the gaff. Shoes off at the door, please. I don't know if you're a shoes off at the door sort of guy. I'm not. I'm wooden floorboards in my house, so it's firmly shoes on at all time. But um, feel free to take them off if you wish. Well, it is. Uh, I've, well, first of all, it's an honour to be here. I, I never thought I'd be saying that uh, <laughs> when coming on. Also, I should just say, 
I just had a really good laugh to myself when I saw the title of the email you just sent me to send the link for this, which was just <laughs> on, uh, to the listener, Sitter, 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 <laughs> spelled C-I-T-E-H, of course. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm a shoes on for as long as I can get away with it, and I'll tell you the reason why. It's because um, I can't believe I'm saying this, especially to City fans. I'm giving you so much fodder here, but... Um, I think I have some sort of uh, foot infection right now, <laughs> which is making my feet fucking stink. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm keeping them on at all costs, mate. All costs. Well, medical help is available, I should say. <laughs> I've got some cream, else? don't worry. <laughs> um what a fantastic start to the show um it's only it's only going to go down here from downhill from here i can promise but yeah we are here to speak about obviously saturday's fa cup final um like i said if you do need any medical help please seek a professional um but i think i might need some medical help in the lead up to this game because i'm already getting the jitters the first ever all Manchester Derby FA Cup final in 130 odd years. It's, it's remarkable. It's taken this long, really, or is it? You know, considering the the sort of the uh, the permutations, the number of clubs that compete. Anyway, it's a big one. City have a treble on the line. United have a cup double on the line. Let's sort of start with United then, and, and the season they've had so far, because. I have to say, quite fortunately found the way into the FA Cup final. I think Brighton were, for, for pretty much everybody's money, probably the better team in that semi-final. Obviously lost on penalties. But it's sort of, it, it, it's capped off what has been, I have to say, a very good season. First season for Eric, Eric Ten Hag in charge of United. They've already got the League Cup in the bag. Top four, albeit shaky at times in the, in the last sort of two, three months was secured pretty comfortably in the end. And now they have a chance to sort of go on and win the FA Cup against Manchester City. While City season is fantastic, United have to be pretty proud of themselves as well, I assume. Yeah, yeah. We're, um, I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing, to be honest. It's the first time since Sir Alex Ferguson's left that there's been a sense of, just a sense of confidence and more so comfort around the ground. And I think particularly Old Trafford because of our home form. Um, I think we've had the best home form in the league. Away, we've been pretty shocking. Um, at times, you know, we've had some decent results. Um, and performances, you know, Arsenal away where we lost, we actually played really well. But it just feels good to have a sense of direction. And Eric Ten Hag, I mean, I believe... So I've, I've read this... Uh, I don't know if you've read it, Amos, but this uh, Pep Guardiola book, uh, from his time at Bayern, I think it's called. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Pepper covered. Yes, yeah, one of yes. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant book, which I read um, around the time. So this was before he came to City, and when I was hoping he would be coming to Man United, because I was like, <laughs> this guy is an absolute genius. Because it's. I think the book starts off where he's um, Pep is. Like playing chess with Gar- uh, what's his name, Gary Kasparov, is it the the like the yeah, greatest yeah. chess player of all time? And he was he had his year out in New York to sort of study these things. But obviously, Ten Hag worked with him at Bayern Munich, and I have heard I don't know if this is true, but I have heard that he was Pep's preferred um, successor to him at Man City. Like a couple of years ago, if they were looking at succession. Um, Ten Hag was the guy that he was after. And you can see that. You can see that in the inverted fullbacks. 
and just the way you look at Grealish, what Pep's done with him. Um, you know, I love Jack Grealish. I still do, even though he plays for Man City. Um, and the most important thing is improving players. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how much time it takes. Um, Anthony's someone who, you know, Man United fans can get quite impatient with, particularly, you know, at the ground. But he's someone who he has the right attitude. He has the right stuff to play for Man United. And he still provides exciting moments, goals, assists. And then you look at people like wan You look at people like uh, Diego Dallo, um, even Fred, even though he's not been in the team as much the last couple of months. Eric Ten Hag seems to have found a way to keep most of the squad happy and to get results from it. And it's way beyond the expectation because I thought, you know, he's been at Ajax, obviously a massive, massive club, but in a relatively easy league. He had that Champions League run um, three or four years ago. And obviously, you know, you saw they could beat teams like Real Madrid, but it is a knockout competition. So I wasn't sure if he'd be exactly the right fit but yeah and especially that rousing speech he did after the match on um on Sunday just gone against Fulham where he really got it's one of the loudest I've heard Old Trafford in in a long time where he really got the crowd going and he said he didn't nothing was pointing towards the fact that like you know we're, we're in this cup final um we're going to be the sort of also runs it's just like yeah we're going to go there and win it and this is the attitude he's brought towards the fans. And it's nice that Old Trafford is a place where, despite its rustiness, despite it um, not being the best ground in the world, apparently. Um, I don't know if you've heard about that. Apparently it's fallen apart. But, um, <laughs> I, but um, yeah, it's a place where we're seeing Man United winning football matches, but not only winning football matches, playing well doing it. So... I'm very happy with where we are and hopefully with the signing of a certain Harry Kane, um, we can go on to the next level and maybe challenge you within the next one or two years. One, one of my favourite chants to come out of this season uh, from a City point of view is, is a new one about, and it references Old Trafford falling down. So um, we certainly, <laughs> certainly uh, are aware of that. But on, I know tell exactly me. what you mean. Tell me what the chant uh, is. I can't, I can't remember what tune it goes to. It's like... <laughs> it goes to like, da, 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 da. Old Old Trafford is falling down. Da, 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 da. Ten Hag is a fucking clown. <laughs> you gotta laugh. You gotta laugh. I, I I respect a good chant, no matter what club it comes from. Absolutely, chant connoisseurs. But I, I know exactly what you mean with Ten Hag. It, it it seems like for the first time in a long time, there's so, a man of competency in the Man United dugout, and that sort of it can go and miss a lot of the time, can't it? Just how important that is to actually have someone there who knows what he's doing. And I remember a good about a year and a half ago, there's a, a an I think it was in the Athletic an article about in the future how football clubs won't need managers. The, the players will be so highly tuned, they'll be able to do it themselves. You know, they won't need to know about. Tactics they won't need to know about positions blah, blah blah but it's just bullshit because we've seen this season firstly with Guardiola and City having sort of changed their system midway through obviously Guardiola inst- installating that how important coaching is and we've seen with with Ten Hag you know I take you back to um, the first game of the season 4-0 at Brent uh, sorry against Brighton and then obviously the week later 4-0 at Brentford I don't think you would have imagined at this point that you'd have had 
one trophy in the bag, top four secured, like I said, comfortably, and then obviously uh, another FA Cup final to come. There was perhaps obviously patience needed, but what what is it? What what what's when? when so I'll go back to the start of the season. When did those turning points come? At what point after those defeats did you start seeing actual real improvements in the team from the manager from the players? Well, it was really interesting because we were getting very impatient in terms of. Not impatient with Ten Hag. There was ridiculous talks of him doing a... Um, was it De Boer? It was De Boer, wasn't it, at Palace, where yeah. he, he managed about, what, four or five games, and then he was gone. So there was... And I, I think that was literally just because he was Dutch as well. I think it was a weird <laughs> media thing. Like, I'd, I'd, it made no sense. But obviously, it was panic stations after those games when we thought, oh, God, did we miss out on Poch? Is this the right guy? I was never too worried at that point that it was going to be that bad. I thought we probably won't get top four, maybe chance our luck in the Europa League or, or the League Cup or, or FA Cup. And we were all calling out for Casemiro to be starting. But then you see what he's done with him as well. It was, it was the patience and picking him at the right time. And the turning point really for me was um, Liverpool at home because... We were going into that match thinking, I think Liverpool started the season quite well. I think it was, uh, that game was in maybe even August, August or September. Mm. Um, I remember it was quite a warm evening anyway. And we were going into that game just thinking, if we can get a draw, if we avoid an annihilation, that's a good night. Which is not like, no club or fan set is entitled to any sort of... um, well, any position, you know, you, you can't be entitled to anything. You know, as a City fan, like, you'll be, I imagine you're, well, we've spoke about this a bit before, like, you're just, you're buzzing. You're grateful mm. that you're there. But I don't imagine if it goes down, like, say the owners leave, say Pep, Pep leaves and you decline, the real fans will always still be still be there. And what you get when you're a real fan, when you go to matches like we do, is you get the highs and you get the lows, but it makes the highs so much sweeter. And a night like that, Old Trafford, where Liverpool had some chances, but they never really looked too dangerous. And it was also what he'd done as as well. He was trying to play out from the back straight away with De Gea, which isn't conducive to his game. And we're still seeing that, to be honest. Like I, I do, that's a different story for a different time. I think we do need a new goalkeeper. But what he did that game, he just said, "Right, play it long. Let's just play it long for now. If De Gea, if you get the ball, just kick it up." And that's what we did. We won that way. And the atmosphere as well. I, I was actually going to compare Ten Hag's speech. The, the other two best atmospheres at Old Trafford this season was obviously when we beat you lot in uh, January mm. or February. But that Liverpool night, it felt like, I don't know, man, I, I, when we played Bayern Munich at home, I think it was under Moisey, like 2013, that was one of the loudest I've heard Old Trafford. Mm. Real Madrid in 2003, when Ronaldo scored the hat-trick, even though we went out that night, that was an incredible atmosphere. I compare that Liverpool game, I put it alongside those as like the best atmosphere I've experienced in Old Trafford. And we sort of knew it didn't feel like a fluke. It felt like he was onto something. And yeah, that was the turning point of the season. And it's just been even, you know, another turning point, I suppose, is after the World Cup. I think just before the World Cup, Garnacho scored that goal against Fulham. We went into, you, you know, we, we were in a decent position. But then we came out of the World Cup, Rashford just hit that ridiculous run of form. And, you know, come on, Gareth Southgate, what were you doing? Like bringing him on with 30 seconds to go or whatever. Like he, he, I'm not being biased, but 
it should have been, you know, Grealish, Foden, Rashford should have, mm. there should have been a way of them all starting in that World Cup. But let's not talk about England because who cares about them? <laughs> but after the World Cup, he bought him White Weghorst, which was hilarious and weird and <laughs> random. But we played him for about, I don't know, I think it was about 17, 18 games in a row. And that was probably our best form of the season. He only scored, uh, I think he's only scored two goals for us. But what he did off the ball, the running, and it was necessary. It was like he he picked the right person for the right time, even though it's a striker who can't score goals. (laughs) But he did it for the team. And that shows with no, even with no budget. I I think Ten Hag's more a manager who works with, what he's given and he can be adaptable. And this isn't an attack on Guardiola. I, I rate him as one of, if not the greatest managers of all time. But Pep needs a certain type of players, doesn't he, I think? And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Ten Hag sort of worked with what he was given, which wasn't great. But he's, you know, all the, all his signings have been good. Casemiro, Anthony, Martinez and um, Malasia. They've all played a really big part this season. And I'd say Martin, Martinez and Casemiro, along with Rashford and, and Bruno, are our two most important players. So I'm just hoping we build on that and keep signing well, if this bloody ownership ever gets sorted. But again, different story for another time. Well, you say that. I, I do want to quickly ask, because I think there's a little bit of misconception among sort of fan bases outside of City. But, you, you know, you bang on. I was I was sort of shocked myself um, just how pragmatic Ten Hag was prepared to be when he arrived at United. Because, like you say, at the top, he was sort of billed as this uh, one of Pep's disciples. And, and you bang on, you know, he was very much in the running to take over from Guardiola at City. Obviously, now, oh, it'd be fucking hilarious if he did, but it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but, um, but, but sort of just quickly before we we go to the break um the glazers obviously part of the song I was speaking before is about sort of the glazers staying 10 more years and and how funny it is and how hilarious it is that they're sort of turning united this once great football and institution into a laughing stock but this this ownership uh debacle situation blah 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 i cover it for my sort of everyday job so i have to tune in but there's a lot of people who at this point i assume united fans as well who've just turned the back and gone i can't be arsed with all this it's just sort of like playground politics in a way sort of grown men in suits sort of trying to leverage power over one another what is sort of so twofold question why why do united fans not like the glazers because i think a lot of people see the money they spent you know on casemiro earlier this year 200 odd million in the transfer window however much million over the last sort of five ten years or whatever it isn't just about the transfers but why do they why do they not like them and secondly what is the preferred outcome from this sort of this ownership change? Obviously, there's rumours that Glazers may stay on in a sort of subsidiary role, or they could leave out entirely. What is the sort of the general consensus around what what United supporters would like to happen? So, I think on um, to your first question, uh, I think the issue with signing a lot of players and spending a lot of money in the transfer market and spending money on wages. It's a bit like giving a car that's, you know, the engine is dying, uh, everything beneath the bonnet is dying. It's like giving the car a new lick of paint and saying, there you go, that's fixed. Because the real issues at Man United, as we alluded to before on the stadium stuff, is the infrastructure, the training ground. You know, Carrington was a modern training ground uh, 20-odd years ago when when we first built it. and I'm, you know, 
people talk about these things to be fair as if as if they go to the train ground every day like we we don't really know but from what we're told the train ground's not great you know i go to every game at old trafford um it is looking rusty but the same can be said for anfield although there are upgrades on some parts of the stadium um but i suppose a lot of it is you know you look at what you lot are doing across the way where I live now in Ancoats. I, <laughs> I lived in Old Trafford for 10 years and now I'm unfortunately my local team is actually Manchester City. <laughs> but you see what, the reason I'm living here probably though is because of the city mm. owners and, you know, the human rights stuff on that aside and we've, we've discussed this and everyone's had these debates before. What they've done for the area is, is incredible and I think we just want to see a bit of that. And then I, I think with the Glazers as, as well, it's the principle of it. It's how little they give a shit. It's the fact that they've, you know, they're paying off their own, you know, that they're, they're taking it, they're paying the debts towards the club and, you know, they're trying to, they're sucking money out of the club basically. And it's just mm-hmm. this, this American face that has never really engaged with the fans. And it's, you know, it's just soul destroying. And, one thing that is leveled against Man United fans, <clears throat> which I think I, you know, would flatly refute, is that <clears throat> we only sort of sing Glazers out when we're losing. We only sing Glazers out when we're losing, but we don't. We sing it every single game. We sing it every time we score a goal, which is just trying to hammer hammer the point home how much we don't want them there. But on the second part of your question, I mean, I'm very conflicted on it because. Um, you know, there's the human rights issues with Qatar. There is the LGBTQ plus issues that they basically don't acknowledge. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm bisexual myself, so I'm on that spectrum. And they don't basically don't acknowledge us as people on the same level. Um, and then Radcliffe has a lot of problems as well. Any billionaire, I was talking to my dad about it yesterday, actually, and this is something that's going round, especially with you know succession on TV as well at the moment. Any billionaire is not a moral person. We know that, you know, if you've, if you've got to the top that way financially, you've had to screw a lot of people over on, on the way. And Radcliffe has, um, you know, there's a lot of accusations toward, with him with uh, fracking and he's a bre- Brexiteer. But when it comes down to it, I would rather that just about, I would rather that over um, a nation state because We've took the piss out of you lot for so many years and we can't, it it would just be so hypocritical. And a lot of the fans, it's mainly the Twitter fans who really want Qatar. The match going fans I speak to would probably just about prefer Radcliffe, but we do debate it almost every game, me and my mates, like before games and after games in the pub. So people are very conflicted. I think at this point, a lot of people just want the Glazers out and a lot of people are fearful with Radcliffe that he's going to keep him in. But I listened to Gary Neville talking about it, who's got a, a lot better business brain than a lot of people, to be honest. And he says he will eventually buy the Glazers out. He's just keeping them in to sort of mm-hmm. make the transition easier and sweeten the deal. So I, I would go towards Radcliffe for that reason and for him not being, you know, murderous, like whatever he's eating. Maybe he is in the long run with what he's doing to the to the environment. Who mm-hmm. knows? But but right now, I, I, I'd rather them, and I understand why a lot of, uh, r- rather him, I r- understand why a lot of United fans um, 
don't want him because of, you know, keeping the Glazers in potentially. But I don't think that'll be an issue. I think they will be gone eventually. But it's to- it's it's just such a split, man, and it's it's a really weird time. I just want it sorted out either way so that Ten Hag stays and we can keep building because if if we're f- you know, if we're messing around with this all summer, uh, Andy Mitten said a lot of times, like, he has a lot of suitors. You know, Real Madrid will be looking at him. There'll be a lot of big clubs looking at him. So he won't be short of offers if we do start to mess around. But I think, you know, we want him. He wants us. So we just want it sorted at this point, to be honest. Uh, it is a moral conundrum. I know um, you produce a podcast called the Brazilian Shirt Name Podcast with um, Tim Vickery and, and Dottin Adebayo, who, who I've featured on myself. And when I was on there, I spoke personally about sort of like, I wake up every day and, and look at Manchester City and how fantastic it is and then go, well, actually, is it good for the good for the community? Is it good for the world? Is it good for football? And then I'm like, well, it's a football club. So it is like a constant sort of uh, battle within yourself to find somewhere that is sort of a, a moral ground. Quite frankly, you know, nobody started supporting football to have these conversations, and and it's a sign of the the current industry. But that's enough for handshaking across the divide. In part two, we'll take the gloves off and, and look ahead to the game itself. We're in the home straight, folks, so gear up for a mammoth two weeks of cup finals by stocking up with Beer Monster. It's the best place to find all your household ale names at refreshingly low prices. And as a dedicated City Report podcast listener, you can grab an extra £5 off all orders with the code CityPod05. That's CityPod05 for an extra fiver off all orders. UK only, 18 and over, drink responsibly. So then, um, Saturday, 3 o'clock, I'm already dreading it for a number of reasons. From the United perspective, though, because we've done a lot of covering of the, the City point of view this week already on the show, how big is this match? And, and, and be truthful, be honest, is it an FA Cup final for United or is it the chance to stop City doing the treble, which, as we know, has only ever been achieved by United in 1999? Nah, not us, mate. Not it's it's, <laughs> it's a game on Saturday. I didn't. <laughs> no, I am, uh, mate. I'm the same. I'm absolutely. Um, I'm shitting it already, to be honest. Like I've I've been. It's one of those games that, and it reminds me of childhood. It remind you know when you just look forward to it, but you're also nervous, and you think about it mm. last thing at night, and then you're thinking, what team might we play? Um. But yeah, of course, mate. Any United fan who say, who would say to you, and I'm sure there's plenty, any United fan who say it's just an FA Cup final, you know, it's it's whatever, how, however many we've won in our history, like eleven or twelve or, or whatever it is. Um, but no, it's 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 more than that. It's about maintaining our legacy. I, I was asking people actually uh, a few weeks ago when it was looking if you know Liverpool were on a really good charge and and we weren't on the best of form again, especially away from home, I ask people, what would you take top four and losing to City or fifth and beating City in the final? And I think it's a sad state of affairs that a lot of people were conflicted on it. And even um, I heard Wes Brown talking about this. He even said he'd go for top four. No way. No way for me. I'd, I'd take beating City every single time. I can do another season in the Europa League. We're going to build. Hopefully, we're going to sign a good striker. Again, that goes back to all the, the, the ownership and that. But I think this game, 
I'm not saying it will be a turn of the tides because as long as Guardiola is there, I think City could just keep doing this every single season. Not, I'm not saying trebles, but Haaland and Guardiola and you know, even your young players coming through, like even, even some of the youth products, and I'm sure you'll sign well again in the summer. So it's massive for us. It's, it's, it's the biggest game for Man United since, you know, we had that Euro- Europa League final uh, under Oli. This is, you know, this is 10 times bigger than that. The Europa League final under Mourinho, 100 times bigger than that. It's it's massive because obviously there's bragging rights. There's things like that. Like, I'm sure me and you will be messaging each other, which, well, we're quite nice to each other, really, I think. We'll probably be, cons- one of us will console the other, unless it's hilarious. <laughs> unless you batter us 6-0. I don't, I don't, <laughs> who knows? But it's it's massive, and also it's that that thing of like just a bunch of Mancunians going down to London to support different teams. A lot of them will be friends, and I I just hope, God, I sound cheesy, but I I just hope I'm not gonna I'm not about to say I hope football's the winner. Don't worry, <laughs> I just hope that <laughs> I just hope there's no violence. I hope it's like a good day. I hope everyone has a good day. I'm unfortunately not going. I didn't get one through my season ticket application. And then uh, I got offered one at the game on Saturday. Uh, do you want to know how much? Do you, do you want to guess? Go on, actually, if, you, if you want. Oh, um, oh, I'm guessing triple figures. Yeah, it was uh, 300 each, um, which isn't wow. like, it's not ridiculous. It's yeah. not too bad. But the only problem was I'd have had to buy two. And I don't think I could find anyone else who'd be willing to, yeah. to splash 300 quick. It's your rent and your bills, isn't it? You know, but Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know, man. How are you feeling about it? Uh, horrific genuinely (laughs) horrific we've had a a couple of calm weeks since wrapping the title up where like literally for about a month every single living moment every every living second I was thinking about City and what was next whether that was Bayern Munich whether that was I don't know Everton away Real Madrid at home whatever it was like literally every single second and then one Saturday night Arsenal lose to Nottingham Forest were champions and from that on like three games in a row nothing really mattered but it was it was on Monday. I want to say I was listening. I was watching the uh, League One playoff final between Sheffield Wednesday and Barnsley, and I was watching that and I'm thinking, shit. Next time there's a game there, it's City versus United. It's in the FA Cup, and and I think because we've had a similar debate among City fans with the Champions League coming up and being like, if you could win one, which one would you choose? And sort of obviously a little bit different, but for the same reason, I'm saying. Champions League finals will probably come again in the future. City will it would take it would take a lot for City not to reach another Champions League final. Oh, yeah. It's entirely plausible, but it's probably gonna happen. This is the first time in 130 years City will play United with a trophy on the line, or at least, you know, not a community shield, the FA Cup, the biggest trophy in English domestic football. So it's um so yeah, I feel violently ill, to be honest with you. But you throw in you throw in that sort of the treble side of it as well. And and I'll pivot on to um a potentially controversial question and, and one that I have to say I'm not engaging in and I'm using host privileges here because City haven't won those trophies. United did in nineteen ninety-nine. But firstly, what would it mean to that legacy? Obviously, the only team to ever win the treble in English football, should City do the same? Secondly, 
do the do they compare? You know, United, what was it, 79 points in that title win? They beat Newcastle oh. in the final. Um, you know, I've got to ask the questions. Do they compare? Is City quite clearly comfortably the better team? Who was in Manchester United's lineup in that Champions League final? You've got David Beckham, Ryan Giggs, Gary Neville, Nicky Butt. Um, so that's just off the top of my head. Academy players. Academy players, Mancunians, it means it, it, whatever city do with your, <laughs> with your state funded money. <laughs> Here we um, go. <laughs> <laughs> we have, have to, it's been way too playful. It's too, been too <laughs> nice, hasn't it? No, but seriously, no, I, I, I think that is a big part of it, the way United yeah. did it. And, it was so, it epitomized that Fergie team, the fact that it all happened in about nine days. Like it was all so last minute. And it was also, and the only a Man United fan's going to say this, but it seemed like fate. It seemed like every, you know, the gigs goal against Arsenal at Villa Park in the, in extra time in the semi final, like one of the greatest, well, one of the greatest goals of all time. Like there's, there's no denying that. Um, the way that we that we won the league on the final day with um, that beautiful sort of lob from Andy Cole, one of the most underrated Man United players of all time, by the way, and a Man City player as well later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the way, obviously, the Champions League, we don't need to go over that, like scoring those two goals in, in injury time within a couple of minutes. So I don't think it'll ever be top, like the nature of it, the way it was done. And I do think the academy product thing is is a big thing. Which I, I, is why I think it's a shame that Foden's sort of been out of your team this season a bit. I know he's been injured a lot, but mm-hmm. I like seeing any any Mancunian lads or anyone in the area, Warrington, whatever. Um, I like seeing them doing well for their local teams. So, yeah, on that basis, I think it's a huge achievement. And the first to do it will always be remembered. However, yeah, if, if I'm being honest, a one-on-one match... I think City just about have it, but probably not as much as people think. I know we didn't dominate the league that season, even though we won it. But what that United team had, as well as an abundance of class in Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, probably, I mean, arguably the greatest British midfield of all time, Giggs, Beckham, Scholes and Keane. Like when when midfields were just a a flat four, basically. Um, so you had that, but yeah, I, I think on a one-on-one match, I, I, I think I, I can't think the only teams, the only team arguably that could come up against this city team in the history of club football would be Pep's Barcelona team from <laughs> yeah. from two thousand nine, which is which feels disgusting to say, but I'm 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 you know. I'm pinching my, I'm squeezing my knees as I'm saying this because I'm so angry at myself that I'm saying this out loud. <laughs> but I have to be honest, I'm an honest man, Amos. I'm an honest man. And I think, yeah, if, if it came down to a one-on-one, I think you'd win. But we did have, a re- as well as the quality, we had we had a lot of heart, a lot of guts, and they would always play to the end. But it, it's always difficult, isn't it, comparing teams from generations. My dad always has a go at me for it, but I love doing it. I think it's it's... It's fun. 
Yeah, yeah. It's like um, shit reality TV, isn't it? It's like the absolute gutter of football <laughs> discourse, but it, but it is it is necessary. But if it came down to one-on-one match, I'm almost certain Guardiola would bloody overthink it anyway and he'd start playing, I don't know, Foden <laughs> at left-back or something like that. Um, finally, then, before, before we jump out of here, quickly, on the match itself, Two two fixtures this season between the two clubs, obviously. 6-3 at the Etihad, which at one point City were leading 6-1. I have to remind you at, at this point. Um, and then there was another game at Old Trafford that apparently I, had a scoreline. That, that no, wasn't I don't, as, I don't remember as that exciting. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously two very different games. And I think sort of sticking it in a neutral venue doesn't really help any, any team because United were great at Old Trafford. That sort of five-minute comeback really got City startled. Um, the first half as well, I thought City were pretty poor. Obviously then at the Etihad, similarly managed to startle United. How do United approach this game? How do they set up? Is it going to be similarly sort of the pragmatism from Ten Hag? Is it going to be less of the sort of the ball-playing sort of style we've seen in recent weeks? I, I think the last sort of, when top four, maybe not secured, but looked like it was going to happen. We started to see a little bit more adventurous play from United. That obviously didn't always work. The West Ham game uh, and uh, another couple um, examples of that. Are we likely to see United sort of revert to that very much sort of insular, make sure the spaces are tight, make sure there isn't much sort of uh, given away to City? Or is it going to be a ding-dong battle? Because I think, you know, from neutral's point of view, that's probably what they'll be hoping for. Yeah, well, I hope it's that as well. I always uh, take the view, and obviously, I'm I'm not a you know I'm not a football manager by any stretch of the imagination. But I always take the view. Yeah, one day, one day. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. I've I've got the slaphead to be a Pep or a or, or a Ten Hag, but um, I always take the view. I was I was discussing this with my housemate last week, actually. And he was saying we've got to play Fred instead of Ericsson. Um, I disagree with that. I think the way we beat you, even though you weren't on great form, but the way we beat you at Old Trafford this season was by fighting fire with fire and we took the game to you. I think like City had some good moments, but you'll probably admit we were the best team that day. Like We deserved the yeah. win that we got. Um, so I, I think you've just got to play your... Obviously, there has to be matchups. You know, he, He's likely to go for... Wambasaka for how good he is defensively against Grealish. Um, I'm assuming it'll be Grealish on the left, but then you have enough players to totally rotate because you've got a Champions League final coming up, and it's not like there's bad replacements coming in in fucking in bloody Mares and, and uh, Foden. But I think you, you, you've got to play the best form we've had this season is when it's been Ericsson, Casemiro and Bruno in the centre. So I think you've just got to stick with that. You've got to try and mm. play the ball because if you go into it too defensively, it it sets up a bad, I don't know, it, it it's just negative. It's negative to, for the fans. The players are sort of trying to protect something that's not even been established yet. You know, if you take the game to them, I think that's the way that, you know, Pep will be most sort of, agitated i think that's the the way that mm. i see city most panicking however you know i'd be totally happy with a one nil scrappy 90th minute goal and for us to just park the bus but i don't think that's in ten Hag's nature to totally park the bus i think it's in his nature to be pragmatic when necessary uh but no i i think the best way is is to just take the game to you because 
yeah, otherwise it could be an absolute, you know, it, it, it's just a bad way to go out. It sends a bad message. It, if we, we could still lose four or five nil, City can beat anyone in the world four or five nil. You know, look what you did against Madrid. Look at what you did mm. against Bayern Munich. If we if we go out defensively and lose that way, it's you know it's a double whammy. So I think just go all guns blazing, and like you said for for the neutrals as well, that's going to be a lot lot better game. Yeah, um, let's say you get into that rhythm, and you know it's game over for most teams, isn't it? But that's to come. I don't know. I'm like I said, I'm getting jittery. I'm getting nervous Why already. Are you, are you worried about? Do you think like? Will he rest players for the final, or do you think do you think he'll just go with his best eleven in both matches, like the same team? I, th- I think you can because, barring injuries, I think you get away with doing that because they're seven days apart. I, I it's genuinely, and and I have no sort of shame in admitting it. It's because it's United. If it was Brighton, if it was Watford, yeah. if it was anyone else, you know, it would it'd be still big, but it wouldn't be nearly as big. But it's United, and I, you know, like I said, no shame in admitting that it's going to be a massive, massive game. But Tommy, thank you very much for jumping on. It's been, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a laugh, and it's been a pleasure. Thank you, mate. Lovely to speak to you. And um, I don't want to say good luck for the final, but I hope you have a good day. <laughs> thank you very much you can hear Tommy's ramblings on the Mundial Mag pod amongst other places as well until next time this has been the City Report podcast we'll see you later make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.